welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Welcome everyone back to the program. I'm tickled pink to have you here with me this evening. Now, for those of you that enjoy when I do a quote-unquote special episode, well, tonight is your night. Because due to a short week on my end, you see, Sarah and I are taking the camper up north for a few days. But I wanted to make sure I got some content out. So what I'm doing this evening is another installment of the Grab Bag series. And this time around, I decided to do it completely blind. So I don't have a clue what the following calls are about. I find out when you find out. So, to begin this little experiment, we start in the state of Pennsylvania, where Jake has a story waiting for us. Hi, my name is Jake. I'm from Philadelphia. I'd like to tell you about something that happened to me uh, in southwestern Louisiana along I-10. I was driving from Gainesville, Florida to San Antonio, Texas. Had a two-day through the drive about... 16 hours or so. Just driving alone. Stopped a few times at, uh, at rest stops to stretch my legs, smoke a cigarette, trying to keep awake. It's getting late, maybe uh, 2 o'clock in the morning or so. I uh, stopped, got out, walked around, got back in my, uh, my van to get on the highway, approaching I-10 on the on-ramp, I see out of the corner of my eye in the rear view mirror, somebody running toward me from the woods. Looks like a person going 60 miles an hour or so. They uh, come up next to my van, jogging next to me for 10, 15 seconds. Can't make out a face. This gray, shadowy figure. I don't I don't know what it was, but I hope you can use it. I, I enjoy the podcast very much. Thanks a bunch. Have a nice night. Thank you, Jake, for the submission. And I apologize to listeners, that wasn't the best quality call, but that's a risk you take with the grab bag. Now, listening to Jake's call, I can't help but be reminded of a classic Monsters Among Us submission. A call submitted by a gentleman named Alan from the state of Arizona, all the way back on Season 8, Episode 19. Well, while I was listening to Jake's call, I went ahead and dug up Alan's entry as well. And here it is again. See if you can pick up the similarities. Hi, Derek. This is Alan in Mesa, Arizona. I was recently listening to episode three of season four and Caitlin's account of the Skinwalker. I've had a similar experience living in Arizona all my life. This event happened in approximately 1990 on the San Carlos Indian Reservation in southeast Arizona. It was late at night. I had been to the car races in Globe and was returning home, driving down US 70 to Safford. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. I was fairly tired. I was only 17 years old, and I was driving along, and it started to slow down because I was getting sleepy. I just passed through the town of Peridot. I don't know. I had probably slowed down to about 40, 45 miles an hour. As I was driving along, I heard a tapping on the side window of my truck. Not thinking about it, I was concentrating on the road. It tapped again and then a bang. And I looked over and there seemed to be a person running next to me on the road. So it kind of freaked me out. I dropped her down the third gear and took off. Got down the road a few more miles. Kind of woke up by now. And as I went through the small town of Bylas, got past there, started getting sleepy again. So I began slowing down, and again, there was a tapping on my window and then a bang. Looked over, and it was the same figure running next to me. It was a tall, pale man with red stripes painted on his body. He was keeping pace with me, like I said, at about 40, 45 miles an hour. So I, again, switched gears and took off. With that being said, I was driving through the San Carlos Indian Reservation, which is an Apache reservation to reference Caitlin's story in the episode. And I got home, kind of freaked out, now wide awake, right around 2, 2.30 now in the morning. Talked to my dad, didn't really say anything to him about the situation, just that I got in late. Fast forward 
1993, I'm stationed in 29 Palms, California with the Marines and talking with my roommate, telling the same story. And he goes absolutely ghost white. And I said, what's wrong, Johnny? He had a roommate earlier who lived in Lordsburg, New Mexico, that drove the same route that I drove when he went home on leave and had the exact same experience only two years previous to that. So that would be 1991. So just like give a little bit of light on the Caitlin's experience. Hope you like the story. I will call him back in more again. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Those are certainly amazing claims, and we appreciate the entries from both Jake and Alan. Thank you, gentlemen. Now moving right along here this evening, our next entry comes to us from Lucy in Parts Unknown. Hi, Derek. My name is Lucy, and I am calling about a airplane ride that I took from Indiana to Northern California as we were over the Rocky Mountains in, let's say, Colorado. We saw, we as in my sister and I, saw some two-dimensional objects out in the distance um, within the clouds. You know, the planes moving, we can kind of see all around the sides, just very two-dimensional, dark. If you weren't looking close enough, you would think it was a cloud. And then a few days ago on the 6th, I was on Instagram as we do these days, and someone had posted the exact same images, but in Georgia. So there were two as well that they had posted, and that is exactly what my sister and I saw. Yeah, if we've got any more people seeing this stuff, I'd love to hear more about it. This is my first time seeing something in the sky being at that same level, but it looked very two-dimensional and um, very gray and large, like spread out looking. It was, it was very strange. Thanks for giving us a space to share our experiences. Bye. I must resist the urge to make a terrible Lucy in the Sky pun. Thank you, Lucy. Well, believe it or not, this phenomenon has been popular lately. I can recall seeing a handful of videos, photographs, mostly taken from iPhones, from windows of moving airplanes. And the handful that I've seen, unfortunately, I believe has a logical explanation to it. They're simply contrails from other planes. Now, there are several videos on YouTube that you can go check out that further explain why there's some sort of illusion that they are two-dimensional. And you can see the effect itself in the video. Something about distance and speed. But regardless, that seems to be what people are seeing. And I certainly don't blame them for being confused, because these things look like some sort of monster in the sky. Big, gray, and bellowing. But if it's what I think it is, I can assure you, Lucy... As everyday normal air travel. Now, if it's not what I'm thinking, we might be in some trouble. Big thanks, Lucy, for taking the time to share your call. Now, folks, if you have a call you would like to share on the show, simply call the hotline at 1 888 608 night That's 1 888 608 6444. Now, like I said in the opener, Sarah and I are doing a little camping for the week. Doing a little R&R, reading a book or two, getting out in nature. So in cases where I like to sneak away and take some time off, I often produce one of these quote-unquote grab bag episodes. Now for any of you that might not know the term grab bag, at least when I was a kid we would go to a yard sale or something like that and there would be a paper bag with a dollar sign written on it. He had no idea what was inside. Could have been crap. Could have been treasure. For some reason, I always enjoyed the gimmick. I'd often pick one up. Even as a young kid. So that's where the term came from for me. It sort of means there could be anything in there. Anything. Just like this anonymous entry. Submitted from the state of Colorado. Yeah, I just... Long-time listener, want to keep this anonymous on all the Colorado just have a lot of stuff going on a lot of crazy stories in my house stuff going on with me just 
intently just being sensitive to stuff and I kept stuff at bay and I really don't talk about it until now I'm actually moving and what's going on is I have a room in my house that a lot of things happen that come out of there and I've had to lock it and uh, put it at bay and I've been at bay now um, I had stuff move in my room I've heard footsteps I live by myself the trash moves stuff gets thrown at me uh, dishes fall into the sink for no reason and it comes out of this room you can see the room underneath it there's boots and stuff and I've had people come in my room and other people and friends and freak out and like and they can't be in there and supposedly there's a portal in this room supposedly and I believe it I see it but there's been no activity and the crazy thing is I don't like to talk about it a lot I keep it to myself especially just being you know sensitive but now that I'm moving out and I'm moving across the state the activity in this room has kicked up and that's the only reason I'm calling in there's footsteps on my roof now and that never used to happen. There's footsteps around my, my house. And I always go look, and it's just really creepy, man. And I've dealt with it my whole life. I've been touched and stuff like that. And now that I'm leaving, the activity in my room is out of control. Uh, it's starting to bleed out. And I think it's just because I'm leaving the house, and it knows I'm, it's wanting to come. But, I, you know, I've, I've taken extra precautions. I've had people look at it. But the main reason I'm calling is because the room had started up is because I met somebody. And it wasn't somebody that I thought it was. I took a picture of this individual, and it's pretty much, you look at this picture, I'll send it to you. Her face is blurred out. It's a female, supposedly. And me and this other guy were taking a picture, and I met her out for a date. And all our cameras are blurred, but if you look at her face, it's blurred out. And you can see that there's something wrong with her face. I don't know. Every time we took a picture, we took three or four pictures, her face is blurred out. And this room just went haywire when I came home. And I've had so many things happen there. I've tried staging it, and I'm kind of trying to keep away from that. But that's why I'm going to send you these pictures to just show you another picture. I'm going to take a picture of this door. I wish I could have caught it with the footsteps underneath. But just let anybody look at this picture that's sensitive. They're going to freak out. Look at look at their face. This door is keeping everything at bay in my house. It's creepy. Everybody that's came in there, even if they're not sensitive or not, look at this door. And they don't want to open this door. And they just leave it now. But it's I got footsteps. I have scratches on the wall people walk around especially on the roof that's what's creeping me out so as activity picks up, i'm gonna try to you know catch it but i will send you the pictures and i went it's just astonishing i really don't share a lot of this stuff with a lot of people just being you know sensitive so i keep it to myself i do not want to freak people out but i just just listening i always want my gift to you is just say yeah this stuff really does exist like what you say you don't know what's out there so i will try send you these pictures and that's it just crazy stuff out of this out of this house two weeks ago man i had footsteps on my roof and it really freaked me out i mean being touched and stuff like that and scratch i understand but hearing footsteps on my roof when there's nobody there that kind of really freaked me out and i'll try to catch other stuff and recordings and yeah in the middle of the night the creepy thing is is my blankets move uh just last night it felt like someone was pulling the blankets or <laughs> pulling them off. It freaked me out. I jumped out of bed, you know, and it was just really, really creepy again. And I was like, no, this can't be happening again. And so, yeah, I will try to catch it for you. And then that's my gift to everybody out there. If I can, if I can get these pictures to you, it's just, it's just a chip. Especially look at the female with her face, man. You can see it's a straight sh uh, shapeshifter. And we, there was like a couple of us trying to take pictures of us, but uh, keep up the good work. And it's anonymous, man. It's out there. And, it's just it's, it's a trip it's crazy and uh especially with the footsteps and uh, there's more to it there uh, i've i've seen orbs in this room and stuff like that so i'll try to get pictures to you oh this is not again i totally forgot to tell you why the reason that the i really called i forgot to i was just trying to explain everything is the footsteps in the room um right at the bottom of the door what's happened is that i have to sleep with my light on in my doorway is because when I sleep with the lights in the house, nothing comes out. Nothing comes out of that room. And what comes out of that room is it opens the door and there's multiples. This is crazy. Sometimes I question myself when I see this if I'm going crazy. I've seen it. I'm just gonna, you just assume. The door's open, I've caught it a couple times in the middle of the night and I gotta close the door and I've had to put like a, like a crystal or something like a protection stone and stopped it. It's there. Well, I'll just say they're about three foot gray big eyes. I'm that's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say and I'm wondering if that's what's coming on or going on. There's some other instances and also before I leave, the sock thing does really it does work. That's another thing I forgot. 
um, I went to bed one night with brand new socks and I woke up the next day with used socks. It totally, it freaked me out. I thought violated, uh, kind of made sense to a lot of stuff going on. I had to call my friend and confide in her and kind of broke down because I went to bed with socks that were brand new and I woke up with my old socks and that I, I never do that. When I go out, I go out with my old socks, you know, with my new socks. When I work, I wear my old socks. So it was just really, it's violated. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just really creepy. And you have a good day and take it easy, man. Right on. Thanks for letting me uh, share. Like I said, with a grab bag, you never know what you're going to get. And in some cases, you're halfway through the call and you realize you're not getting what you think you're getting. And that's exactly what this caller did to us. I was sitting there making ghost notes for half the call and then suddenly we're talking gray figures with large eyes. I'm not calling them aliens either. But I feel it incumbent upon me to at least mention the fact that he's discussing footsteps on the roof. Again, here they come up. For those that listen consistently, last week we discussed a call about footsteps on someone else's roof. We even discussed my personal experience when I was younger. Although that seemed to be under the floor rather than over the roof. But either way, this caller introduces a new clue into this little mystery. The possibility that this is not ghostly, but rather something extraterrestrial. And it's great to hear, caller, that you use the tactic to pay attention to your clothing when you wake up. Some other tricks I've seen are putting pajamas on inside out originally. If you're wearing them right side out in the morning, you know, something bad happened. Of course, the sock thing works as well. And I'll see if I can't find that photograph. Hopefully our caller emailed it in. If not, caller, please hit me up. Monsters Among Us Podcast at gmail.com. Anyway, it was an amazing call. Thank you, caller, for taking the time to share it. And please be careful out there. <laughs> Attention runners, joggers, hikers, and walkers. Zombies have taken over the world, and we need your help. This episode is brought to you by The Outbreak. We're excited to partner with The Outbreak app to host a thrilling virtual race that is also a zombie-themed game we can all play together. Yes, that includes me. In The Outbreak, zombies have taken over, and we have to use our real-world steps and exercise to battle and run from zombies during an interactive adventure in a virtual apocalyptic wasteland. Now, there are tons of races and challenges to choose from, but here is the most exciting part. As part of our partnership with The Outbreak, we're hosting our own challenge for you to join. Join us as we virtually run from zombies, beginning on April 15th, a race that'll run for 30 days. You can sign up individually or you can sign up as a team, but the winner is the first to make it to the safe house at the end of the race. And those folks will win tickets to a future race and a signed Monsters Among Us poster for each player. And every player who participates and completes the challenge will receive a real-life medal from the outbreak. So visit the link in the show notes to sign up using coupon code MONSTERS to save 15% off of your race. Then, once you're signed up, enter our unique invite code found in the show notes to join our special Monsters Among Us race before it begins on April 15th. Face the challenge alone, invite friends, or join with a team. The Outbreak easily pairs with your Fitbit, Apple Watch, and other smart wearables, and is available on both Apple and Google App Stores. And lastly, check out the Outbreak's Kickstarter campaign running until April 14th for new races and medals at a discounted price. If you're out there shuffling your feet, why not be running from some zombies? So check out those show notes, lace up your sneakers, and sharpen your machete. It's time to do some damage. We'll see you in the Outbreak's virtual zombie apocalypse world in a few weeks. Now this next call takes us to my state of California. Gary, please share your story. Hi, my name is Gary Casada, and I'm calling from Riverside, California. So my story actually takes place back in 1998 or 1999. I was a teenager. I was about 13 or 14 years old, and I was listening to my favorite Marilyn Manson cassette tape, which was called Smells Like Children. Now, I didn't have a lot of cassettes at the time, so this was one of my favorites, and I used to listen to it religiously. 
uh, from front to back, side A, side B, hundreds of times. So anyways, I am playing on my PlayStation and I'm listening to this cassette and it gets to the very last song of side A and I'm waiting for it to rewind and start over again. Well, in the silence at the end of the tape, all of a sudden I hear a sinister laugh. And I guess at the time, the only way I could describe it is like an evil leprechaun. And it's getting louder and louder. And I'm sitting right next to my stereo. And so I know it's coming right out of those speakers. And I'm just sitting there frozen in fear because I can't believe what I'm hearing. And it sounded so evil. So I hit stop and I pick up my phone and I call my best friend who lived in my apartment complex. I tell him, dude, come over. I have to show you this. So he runs over right away. I hit play. There's nothing there. I hit rewind. Then I hit play again. And there's nothing there. <laughs> so long story short, it never happened again. Um, I'd be interested to know if anybody else has experienced anything like this with any type of Marilyn Manson cassette or CD. And um, I've been listening to your show for a couple years now. I love it. Keep it up. And I hope you like my story. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Gary. Well, real quick, I did some searching on Google. I had a thought that although Gary had listened to this CD hundreds, maybe thousands of times, maybe he didn't wait for a bonus track at the end of the album. So I did some searching, and sure enough, there was a bonus track at the end of said album. And I gave it a listen. I certainly didn't hear anything that could be mistaken for a leprechaun laugh. Instead, it was a percussion-heavy instrumental. So outside of some sort of strange interference, maybe from a ham radio, CB radio, something along those lines, I have no idea what could have happened here. But I tell you, I do appreciate Gary's time. So thank you, sir, for sending in the entry. Now, folks, if you don't mind, if you have a couple free minutes, head on over to patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast and just take a peek at some of our material there we have several different levels ranging from a dollar all the way up to eight dollars and every penny spent there goes directly to sarah and i to help produce the show so again that's patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast new episodes drop about every two weeks and i'm due for one soon Now this next entry takes us to the state where I spent my first 25 years or so. The state of Ohio. Where Destiny is waiting with an entry. Hi Derek, my name is Destiny. I'm from Ohio. And I was just going back listening through on some old episodes that I had missed now that I'm caught up with the new ones. I was at season 11, episode 8, the grab bag episode I believe. And this lady, Laura, I think was her name, called in about seeing UFO that looked like fireflies. Uh, and it just triggered something because I saw something exactly like that not too long ago. So I was outside stargazing like I do pretty often and looked up. I was standing on my back porch balcony and noticed this bright red light. As I'm staring at this light, all these other little lights start coming off of it like fireflies exactly how she said and they were moving around in a weird biological way and i took a video but in the video you can't see it really really well but it was the weirdest one of the weirdest things i've ever seen they were just like swirling around and they would disappear and they would come back in and disappear and it was it was super weird. And her call just reminded me, because I had never seen anything like that. So, uh, yeah, she's not alone. I've seen the same thing, but I'm in Ohio. I can't remember what state she was in, but uh, I've seen it, Laura. <laughs> yeah, I love the podcast. I listen to it every night on my way home from work. I try to go back and listen to episodes I may have missed. So, yeah, keep up the good work. Love the show. Have a great night. Thank you, Destiny. Ohio seems to be a hotbed for UFO activity as of late. 
All sorts of strange stuff coming out of there. And how weird that she happened to mention a grab bag episode on a grab bag episode. The synchronicities. And as far as the sighting itself, certainly not the first, as Destiny mentioned, that we've heard of these uh, firefly UFOs or whatever you want to call them. I'm almost convinced that it's some sort of biological activity, not some sort of alien activity. But per usual, having not seen it, or even seen a photograph of it, that's merely an educated guess. So if you do have some sort of photographic evidence, Destiny, please, shoot me that email. Until then, thank you again for taking the time to share the entry. Now next up, we hear from another Gary. This time, from the state of North Carolina. Hey Derek, this is Gary from uh, North Carolina. This just happened. Waking up on a Monday morning, like I normally do. And uh, about 5.30 in the morning. I get dressed in the dark and then go to the bathroom. And the bathroom is probably... Door is probably three feet from the right of the foot of my bed. And I sit at the edge of the bed near the foot and get dressed. And as I'm getting dressed... And I get I get dressed in the dark because my wife and my oldest daughter they they're kind of night owls and and so I do that out of you know respect for my wife. But it, it was a clear morning. I mean, it, there wasn't any storms or anything like that. I was sitting there, and all of a sudden the room lights up like is the light is coming from the bathroom from the open bathroom door. Like it's as if someone's standing in the shower or bathtub area and turns on a light. I mean, a, a, a light as bright as this. I'm not talking about like, I'm talking about a light like sunlight bright for roughly, for, let's say eight to 10 seconds. And I'm sitting there dumbfounded and I don't know what it is. I instantly, I, I grab from my cell phone and turn the flashlight on as the light goes out. And I try to sh- shine it into the bathroom, and nothing's in there. And 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 I go into the bathroom and look in the. To- I look all. I look all in. The- I'm shook up at this point. This just happened. I'm kind of shaking, and I was, I was sitting there, sat down on on the toilet, and I was looking around, and I just I was dumbfounded. I looked all in the tub. I opened. There was no direct light source. It was as if the sun had risen inside the bathroom and set. It was that bright for, like I said, between eight to ten seconds, and so that's about it. I don't, I have no clue what it was. It, like, like I said, it literally just happened. Thanks, Derek. I love your show. Thanks, Gary. Well, that's certainly interesting. And if I'm honest, I thought this might have had an obvious explanation as well, until I did some digging. I cheated a little and spent 20 minutes researching this one, and what I uncovered was pretty interesting. Gary's encounter took place on September 13th of 2021. That's the day that he encountered and called in. I have a record of it. So I thought I would easily find some sort of large meteorite event or meteor event. Some space debris falling to earth, burning up in the atmosphere, causing a huge fireball that lit up everything in North Carolina, including Gary's bathroom. But lo and behold, I couldn't find any evidence of a meteor sighted in the state of North Carolina on September 13th of 2021. But what I did find was almost equally as strange. Eleven short days later, the entire state went nuts when a large meteor went flying through the area. Captured on videos, covered on the news. I've linked to it in the show notes. Then, oddly enough, on November 11th, the exact same thing happened again. So perhaps that is what happened with Gary, and just nobody caught it. Though with as many cameras that there are out there, I doubt that's the case. Whatever it was, we certainly appreciate you sharing it with us here tonight, Gary. Thanks again for calling in. Now, folks, if you haven't already, please visit our website and pick up some merchandise. 
That way you can rep your favorite paranormal program. Simply head over to monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop. You can find t-shirts, hats, totes, bags. I think there's mugs now. All sorts of stuff. So head on over and take a look. Now this next call comes to us from someone named Alexia. Hi, so my name is Alexia, and this is a story about the first haunted house I grew up in. So long, I would say long story short, but we'll see how that goes. I was born in Denton, Texas, and between the years of 1997 and 2003 is when this story takes place. My parents were buying a new home. And my father, who is a man of science through and through, an atheist, not supernatural, you know, doesn't believe in any of that at all. Neither does my mother. Um, They were buying their first home in Louisville, Texas, which is a suburb outside of Dallas. The house that my parents ended up buying was strange architecturally. It had a really unique, as an architecture buff, I really love it, some cobblestone barrel vaults inside the home in the entryway, a cobblestone fireplace, natural woodworking kitchen. It was really beautiful architecturally, and my mother immediately fell in love with it. My father really was uncomfortable in the house, and he couldn't put his finger on it, and being the man of science he was, that feeling kind of confused him. He didn't quite understand why he was uncomfortable. The house made him feel gross. It made him feel watched. He didn't like it. But my mom was so in love with the house, him being the good husband he was, said, you know what, let's buy it. My brother was born in 1997. We had a lot of weird occurrences in the house. I was a young child, young girl at the time. And I was talking with my mom about some of these occurrences over a, you know, she came down for Thanksgiving and we had talked about it. And I asked her, I said, Mom, do you remember that house? And she said, yeah, of course. You guys always had a bunch of weird things happen to you, you and your brother. You always said you did. I wasn't aware of my brother having any weird experiences. I only remembered my own. And so I was telling my mom about one of my experiences in the home, which I will share with you all in which I would get up to use their bathroom at night as a little kid. I was really scared to use the hallway bathroom because it looked down the hall. And I also always felt watched in the house. It was just creepy at night. It was a long hallway. And I always felt like there was someone watching me from the other end of the hallway. So I would scurry across into my parents' bedroom and use the restroom. Now, that night in particular, I had woken up and it was super dark in the house. But like all things, your eyes adjust. So I get up to my parents' bedroom and the door, they always left it open for us in case we had a nightmare or whatever. And I get to the door and my eyes have adjusted to, you know, the hallway and, you know, kind of just the area where I was in. But the bedroom where my parents were, it was just black. Like my eyes could not see past the door way. It was almost like black tar, like a I say like a void, but it almost like had mass. It was just so dense, dark that you just couldn't see through it. Me being the child I was, I just thought, oh, well, it's just darker in there. You know, that makes sense. So I'm just going to go reach in, feel my way around and find the bathroom. So I began to stick my hand, you know, through this kind of dark void tar-like thing. And I kind of snapped my hand back because something just doesn't feel right. I feel creeped out. I feel like I'm being watched. And I snapped my hand back. And through the darkness comes like, I guess the only way to explain it and how I rationalize it is like, it looks like a hand, but not like a human hand. It's like if you stuck your hand in a garbage bag, like a black garbage bag, and you were to push, it wouldn't look like a hand, but it had like that shape, like a reaching shape. So I snapped my hand back and from this void, dark mass came like, this hand and it kind of it came out very slow and pulled back and I remember being a kid and just sitting there and staring and just being like WTFing in toddler and I'm staring and I'm not sure what to do but I'm scared and I'm, I'm glued in place and I, I look and a set of eyes 
like I, I don't even know just like red orangey eyes looked up at me from the black tar uh, like the hand had been pulled back and it's just staring at me and I'm like five at the time so I'm quite short and it was at a lower height than I was not by, by far but maybe like the bottom of my chin and I take a step back because I'm definitely freaking out and another set of eyes blink up from above it so it's above me by a few inches and I take another step back and I proceed to scream scream at the top of my lungs I'm absolutely horrified and I scream as loud as I can and I turn back and I run to my room and I cover myself with the covers in my snow white themed bedroom shaking crying screaming for my parents to come and I cry myself to sleep with nobody checking on me the next morning I had woken up and peed my bed obviously as a five-year-old confronted with who knows what I told my mom and I had she had asked she's like oh you know you've been so you haven't had any accidents like you know what happened and I had told her I had told her this story and I said I screamed so loud I screamed I, I just like I think at the time I had just told her like, oh, I'm sorry, it was like a bad dream or something. But telling her now, you know, over this Thanksgiving, I said, mom, like I screamed so loud. Nobody heard me. Nobody heard me. Nobody came and checked on me. What what happened? And my mom looked at me and we're trying and she goes, Alexia, I, I didn't hear you. And you saw red eyes. And I said, yeah. She goes, that's so weird. Your brother said he saw a man with red eyes watching him from the yard all the time. And I didn't know what to think about it. My mom was very protective. So she had told me, she said, Alexia, I just thought it was a creepy old man, like watching, you know, your brother from the fence line, watching him like just being a super creep. And uh, she was, but she would tell me at night that there was an old man who would watch him from the yard and he had red eyes and he would wake up and this man with red eyes would be at the foot of his bed. I didn't know you saw that. That's weird. And lo and behold, another event from the house, which I wasn't aware of, she told me, she was like, yeah, you know, you used to sleepwalk a lot as a kid in that house. It stopped when we moved, but she goes, you know, you would come into our bedroom to, to use the restroom and they had a giant mirror, like a wall, like a 10 by eight mirrors dead bolted to the wall and I had come out of the bathroom one night and uh, passed the mirror and it had unscrewed itself from the wall and shattered all around me it missed me it would have killed me had it landed on me but it just missed me and shattered all around me in their master bedroom this giant 10 by 8 mirror unscrewed itself from the wall and fell over yeah that is my first haunted house that I lived in we moved out in 2003, and uh, it's just funny talking about it now with my dad and my mom and my brother. They're like, oh, yeah, it was a super creepy house. We, we didn't know what was wrong. I drove by it again because I, I live in the area, and it uh, still looks just as creepy from the outside as it did uh, back all those years ago. I hope you liked my story. Definitely a super creepy house. I wish I could find information on it. I did some digging. I couldn't find it anything they say sometimes it's people that are haunted not the place so i wonder if that was the case with me um as i lived in a few haunted houses thereafter i wonder if i was the problem but thanks so much love the show keep up the great work bye thank you alexia that's quite a lot of activity it's a lot of terrifying activity as well and over the years we've certainly heard all sorts of different versions of these shadow entities Shadow people, shadow men, whatever you want to call them. We've heard of them tall and short, hats, no hats, coats, no coats. We've heard of them being made of static, like TV fuzz. And we've also received reports of them being white instead of black. And now, thanks to Alexia, we have a report on one appearing as a blob shape. Typically, in cases like this, when you receive more information like that, 
more variety that kind of helps you pin things down. It's almost the exact opposite here in this phenomena. I don't think I know much more now than I did when I started the show. I'm sure that's not a comforting fact, Alexia, but we're working on it. Thanks again for submitting the entry. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Sometimes people don't realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and digestive issues can be indicators of stress. Stress shows up in all sorts of ways. I know personally I can often feel as if I'm being pulled in many directions at once. And I know I'm not alone. Sometimes you just need a reminder to pause, take a break, and take care of yourself. And maybe try a little online therapy. Therapy gave me the tools I needed to manage stress in a healthier way. And I think it could do the same for you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than any in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And Monsters Among Us listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Monsters Among Us. As you know, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. Now back to more of that creepy material. Now for this next entry, we head to the northeast corner of the country, where Adrian in Maine is a story waiting. Hi, this is Adrian again from Portland, Maine via San Diego. Uh, another San Diego story is uh, I used to have an office in Otay Mesa, which is uh, from the southeast part of San Diego. Now I drive home to downtown. We would take the 125 and then cross over on the 54 West to get back to the fire freeway back to downtown. One night I came home, coming home late. I think it was after midnight. And it was perfectly clear night. Uh, it was actually a little bit cold for us in San Diego. As I'm on the 125, I see a very large, bright set of lights that are way too bright and way too close to be a planet. And it's moving across the periphery as I'm driving. So I can see it kind of left side of my windshield, right side of the windshield, slightly above me on the sunroof, and then come back down and come to the left. So I'm driving like 70 miles an hour, and this thing is basically following. So for the next junction uh, was the 805, and there is a north. There's like a bridge that connects this, and there's a valley that runs in between parallel to the 54. And as I hit the on-ramp, together 805 north i see four black hawk helicopters no lights on in, in a tight diamond formation flying low across the bridge basically right above my head i hear them first and then i see them and then i see the light that was going right to left following me all of a sudden stop and just shoot off to the right away from the helicopters so i actually reported this to mufon and I got a call back from their director, the West Coast director, and they basically claimed that another person saw this too at exactly the same time, reported the helicopters as well, and they don't know what that light was. They believe that it's possible that the light may have been a new type of drone or aircraft that was flying at night doing a mission or training, but they cannot explain the low-altitude helicopters. Flash forward about a month, we're in uh, downtown San Diego, and it's, again, very, 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 very cold and cloudy for us, foggy. I see the same light outside of our patio just floating in the air in between the buildings, and it's blinking off and on randomly. Again, I was there with my son. Unfortunately, he's too little to uh, attest to it. But then, uh, again, reported to MUFON, and MUFON told me a week later that apparently... They had dozens of reports of a floating object on downtown uh, that same night, uh, some official, some unofficial, and that they were not able to figure out what it was. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on in San Diego. There's a lot of military, but I also think there's a lot of uh, other things happening. Anyway, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that went through me for a loop. I thought we were going to Maine. 
ended up on the opposite end of the country. Because I had some bad intel. Well, the funny thing about the story that Adrian told was that I've heard it before. Now, I know I say that a lot. I hear a lot of things. But I've heard this one firsthand from several different people. Because you see, the documentary that David Flora and myself have been working on that I know I've been talking about forever, which is coming out soon, I promise. We're getting close. But anyway, there's a lot of talk amongst the people that I interviewed about this sort of thing, about helicopters being involved with strange objects, strange things in the sky, and these black helicopters showing up moments after. Well, the connection here is that San Diego is just a rock's throw away from the Borrego Triangle. I'm not joking, the triangle is maybe 50 miles from downtown. So I don't know if there's an actual connection there, but there certainly is in my head. Thank you, Adrian, for keeping your eyes open and sharing the entry. And that brings us to our final entry of the evening. And for this one, we head to the state of New York. The following is Tom's entry. Hey, Derek. This is Tom from New York. Um, I wanted to go over just a couple things that have happened to me um, in my life. And one is what something you've talked about before, the hat man phenomena. I can say that I have seen him, it was probably back around 2003 um, when my mother passed away. And it took a uh, really tra- traumatic you know, turn in my life, mentally and physically. And that's when I started to see him. Um, I, I was driving at the time and... I wouldn't be having like, you know, a grieving episode, but I was, you know, I was grieving internally. And, um, even before looking into the review, you know, mirror of my car, I knew he was there and I look up and there would be that black faceless formless, like you could see the, the brim hat and I could tell it was a man, but there was no feature. It was just a solid like blackness and he would just be there. He wouldn't say anything, wouldn't talk to me. He would just be there and sometimes i would have to be like like you know in the name of jesus christ you know be gone you know leave me alone you are not welcome here and he would leave i've seen him a couple times during that period of my life so almost like he was like following me around i would just see him like even with among people i would just see him like no one else could see him but i would just see him like creep around and i wouldn't say anything yeah so i i don't know if i think it might be like a bad omen or something i don't know but it feeds off that energy i'm not sure that's just something I noticed with my personal experience with this Hatman figure. And I have not seen him since. Um, my mom died in 2003, but I have not seen him since then or any traces of that. So also, I wanted to just tell you real quick, <laughs> actually, for the last probably 15 years, I've been a paranormal investigator and I have multitude of stories. I, I couldn't go into them all. Uh, It would take forever. But one I could tell you is, you know, I've I've seen a lot of things, heard a lot of things, felt a lot of things that I can't explain. And there's also multiple things that I can't. So one of the instances I want to tell you about is a personal experience of mine. And I won't mention the location or the, you know, the owners or anything for privacy reasons, but it it was an abandoned hospital in New York. Me and my team were actually the first ones to ever investigate that place. It was very, it was actually a small hospital. Me and my team were the first ones to ever investigate, um, so it was like a privilege, to, you know, to get in there and see if it, you know, it's, if it's active or not. It's dark. So our, my team are up on like the like second floor, and there's no windows up on this floor. There's no windows. There's nothing you could see, you know, to reflect light or anything. My team's standing in the middle, like of a like a, a round area. All cameras are facing like the other direction. Of course, this always happens. So. I'm standing there and I'm about like 20 feet away from them and they're not paying attention to me, but I look up and all of a sudden there's like this literally seven foot tall shadow being standing to the left of me, like almost like looking at me, almost adjacent to me. It almost had like a, like a stance, like, you know, kind of like come at me, bro, kind of thing, kind of aggressive, but it was like two seconds. It stood there and then it literally dissipated from the head, just down. Like it just fully dissipated, like from the head, down to its feet and it was gone and I mentioned that to the guys they didn't see it about 20 seconds later you know I told them you know keep your eyes open and everything because that just happened they weren't looking and they were looking the other direction I looked to my left almost to where that figure was and I see a what I would say a full bodied apparition of a 
person in a hospital gown, like walking the back of their legs. I could see the gown flowing from left to right. And they walked from part of the room to the right side of the room and disappeared. I, he could probably hear me in my recording saying, holy, you know, like swearing. Because it was so amazing. It was so quick, but I will never forget it. I saw the back of somebody's leg and the end of a hospital gown kind of flowing as it walked. And this person, and it was very slow, as if like a patient was walking that, you know, had trouble ambulating and walking, you know, very slowly. It was grayish and white, and I could see through it a little bit, but I could also see details of the feet and the hospital gown flowing in the back. And this happens a lot on investigations. Like, cameras will be pointing one way, and the phenomenon will be like, it's really interesting how that goes. It's like they know or, you know, but that could have been like residual. I don't know. Either way, I thought that was pretty cool. That night when we were investigating, you know, first time ever investigating, we were downstairs also in the kitchen area doing like, you know, with the K2 meter and things like that, you know, trying to get a response. And our K2s are going off like crazy with yes or no questions all the way up to the red. At one point we heard someone sprinting, like, like, like running, like, like through the hallway and we were just beside ourselves. Like, this was, like, amazing. And we were the first ones to ever investigate. It makes me think that these spirits have never had really anyone, like, any anyone living to talk to. And I think just that in general, like, someone coming in respectfully and, and talking to them and just trying to hear their story was enough just to make them happy and, and want to, you know, liven up, so to speak. <laughs> Those are my things about the hat man and the, my experience with the paranormal, one of them with the investigation. So yeah, I will call back another time because I've got a multitude of stories. Thanks, Derek. Dude, you do so well with this. I started listening about a year ago. Should have been sooner because <laughs> I've been involved in the paranormal and for like years. So, all right, man. Take care. Peace. Thank you, Tom. Well, there you are. More of the same activity. Different shaped shadow people, shadow entities. He said he saw the hat man. He said he saw a tall, lurking figure. And of course, the running footsteps again. This time it wasn't on a rooftop, but still sounds similar to what's been reported. But above all, I think the detail that got my attention the most was the foot and fleeting glimpse of a hospital nightgown. Something about that detail is terrifying. Because for me... When it comes to ghostly activity, a quick glitch, a quick view of something that you shouldn't probably see, a snapshot in time, some sort of strange playback, that's a much easier pill to swallow than a full-bodied apparition that someone sees for a lengthy amount of time. I'm not calling anybody out, I'm just saying that, for me, one's easier to believe immediately than the other. And lastly, I'd like to point out that it's always fun to hear from investigators. Frankly, I wish I heard from more cryptid investigators. But for now, I'll take the ghostly ones as much as I can. And there's just something a little extra when these calls come from someone with that hobby or profession, whatever your level may be. And now that COVID seems to be giving up its ghost, I think it's high time I ramped up my investigations as well. So I might have to find somewhere to poke around. Anybody know any legends around Santa Barbara, California? Well, thanks again, Tom, for sharing your entry. And please let us know if you find anything on any of your investigations. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And if you don't mind and you have a free moment, please rate and review the show on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever they'll let you do that sort of thing. And while you're at it, make sure you follow us on social media. And lastly, music from tonight's episode was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week.
I'm not going to let you down. We're still going to do a secret entry, even though it's a grab bag episode. And tonight's secret entry is a strange one. I think. It's a mystery, because it comes to us anonymously from the state of Texas. Hi, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. A few episodes ago, a story like really inspired me to call you guys immediately. It felt like a fever dream, but one of your callers was talking about his navigation system or app or something on his phone, bringing him to an abandoned farm or something like that in the middle of nowhere. And I believe it was, it was in a different state from my experience, but... Um, a couple years ago, my husband and I were traveling back. Uh, we traveled back and forth between Texas, where we live, and Utah a lot. His family lives there. And so we would, uh, we'd moved back and forth between Utah and Texas quite a few times as well. But this time we ended up coming back from Utah through Colorado because we stopped over to see his brother who lived there. It, we usually drive all night whenever we make this trip. So it was in the middle of the night, but we were still really awake at this point. But the first couple hours are just, they're really long. We're traveling, going low speeds through the mountains. And about four hours in, we're, we're, we know that we're close to this highway. And once we get on the highway, the trip will pick up significantly. But it just felt like we were going slower and slower and really strange roads that were not paved at all, which, I mean, isn't unusual whenever you're driving through Colorado, but... It just felt like we were going down farm roads. After about an hour and a half of this, we kind of started looking at each other. Like We were just really confused of why our navigation app was sending us down these specific roads. We've traveled through Colorado significantly, and it just felt like, it just felt really strange. The speeds were like below 20 miles an hour the whole way, and eventually we got to a point where it told us to pull into an old abandoned farm. There, it was all, it was a, a falling down building. There was no pave. There wasn't even a gravel. It was just an open field whenever you pulled into a fence that was hanging off the hinges. It was the creepiest feeling we've ever felt. We hadn't seen buildings or gas stations or anything for like over an hour. And we sat here and parked in this driveway and just looked at each other. And my husband, I'm more of the paranormal lover. He is a complete skeptic and pretty much thinks it's crazy. But I have never seen that look of terror on his face. He immediately peeled out as quickly as he could and flew to the mountains as fast as he could as we tried to wait for our phone to give us some other directions. We eventually made it to the highway, but it was just such a strange experience. And just the feeling of it was so creepy use our Google Maps quite frequently and I know people have weird experiences but this is the only one we've ever had and uh, I still I don't know I still don't have answers for it but I just thought it was unusual hearing the same type of experience on your podcast in a different location all right thank you keep up the good work thank you caller I've actually experienced some strange back roads myself traveling through Colorado See, about 12, 15 years ago, I was hired to drive a camera car from Los Angeles all the way to Pikes Peak, uh, just before the big race there. We were shooting a documentary slash commercial, but we followed one of the drivers from his garage in the L.A. area all the way to Pikes Peak and, and stopped at every strange little place that we could to film. And let me tell you, that put us on some precarious roads headed up to Pikes Peak. So I have no doubt, caller, that whatever you experienced was unsettling. And from time to time, we always hear about these GPS hiccups. Sometimes it's simply a randonautica mention, but technology is slowly seeping its way into the paranormal. And I, for one, am excited to see what it has in store for us. Thanks again, caller, for taking the time to share. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a good night.
On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.